0: Hi, and welcome to another great life-impacting message from Bridge Evangelical Christian Church. For more great content and to learn more about our church, visit becc.church. Enjoy. Jesus said, If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. But we read in Philippians 2.7 that Jesus emptied himself taking on the form of a bondservant or slave so that he could rescue us from slaves of sin and make us slaves of righteousness. Romans 6.17 and 18. So what is really going on here? I mean, we were slaves to sin and now the scriptures saying, we're still slaves, slaves to righteousness. You know, sometimes the Bible seems to be speaking in contradictions. I've encountered a number of people that have declared that yes, it does speak in contradictions. I don't believe that reality has it that there are no contradictions in the scriptures what we are likely experiencing is we have encountered a paradox and that's exactly what we've encountered here as jesus said we shall be free indeed but for those of you that venture into the book of revelation you probably would have found in chapter 22 and verse 4 you would have seen where that his bondservants or his slaves shall serve him and they shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads we weren't purchased with corruptible things such as silver and gold but with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that has eternal value When the Apostle Paul said, you have become slaves to righteousness in Romans 6, 18. And in verse 19, he says, I am using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. See, the people of Paul's day would have easily understood what he was driving at, as my father would say. What are you driving at? these people would have understood because slavery was very prevalent. It was normal in their day. We don't have that today. And so we're at a little bit of a disadvantage in getting our head around what is trying to be um, displayed here because we don't see the illustration of slavery in our lives. So we have a little bit of difficulty in the concept of understanding some of the paradoxical truths go like this in the scripture salvation is both free and costly or that to be truly rich you must be poor in spirit or to find your life you must lose it or what about this to be wise you must embrace the foolishness of the gospel and those who give will receive and those that are humble will be exalted These are just a few examples of the paradoxes that we come across in Scripture. The previous two messages, we noted the crucial difference between servants and slaves. Servants are hired and they can leave the job and slaves are owned. This becomes a very paradoxical subject that I'm into here. When we consider the fact that slaves that we were slaves of sin then bought with the price of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and we become slaves of righteousness and of Christ we were purchased with the intention of freedom not to do what we want in any respect but free to serve him who saved us we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God's dear son Meaning at the same time, we became citizens of heaven, recorded in Philippians 3.20. And of course, we became fellow citizens with one another. And, um, as John MacArthur said, our life should be synonymous with our citizenship. Our priorities, our passions, our pursuits have all changed because our very identity has been transformed. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature, the old things are passed away, and behold, new things have come. And verse 18, Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, And down in verse 19, he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. It's not difficult when you read the scriptures to understand that we've been saved to serve him. You know, sometimes guilty, own up in the past, and others, if we were to know how people pray, we would maybe think that the Lord is here to serve us, not us serve him. Lord, could you fix this problem, please? Could you change that person's heart? Could you take care of this? Or could you take care of that, you know? And do we start this before we exalt him and say that he's sovereign Lord and he can do what he wants? Is our God weak? that he can save us and then serve us? I don't think so. We are saved for his pleasure. Scripture tells us that. We're here to serve him, not the other way around. He is both our Lord and our God. He is king over every individual believer and over everything, over the entire church and over every created thing. Unbelievers reject his authority in this life. But there will come a day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess whether Jesus Christ is Lord. Philippians chapter 2 verses 10 and 11. In the instant that we were saved, we were not only belonging to Christ, and became citizens of heaven, but also became brothers and sisters in Christ, and to one another. In fact, joined heirs with Christ, him sharing with us everything that the Father has given him. I don't know whether you can get your head around that. I don't think I can, but it will be revealed to us. Jesus also said in John 15, Verse 14, you are my friends, if you do what I command you. For those who are obedient to the Lord, he is also, you are also his friend. Just to make this a little bit more complex, I just would make mention, as Darrell did around the table, that we are the bride of Christ. So I believe love is involved. Despite the fact that we are slaves to Christ, I believe there is plenty of evidence to establish the fact that God loves mankind and desires the best for them. But we must be aware that we were not saved to become comfortable, but to glorify God. Here's a good paradox for us. Slavery brings freedom. Sounds like a good contradiction. As shocking as it is profound, God's word teaches that true freedom can only be found through slavery to Christ. All unbelievers think they are free. I used to. But all unbelievers in reality are slaves to sin and held captive to their lusts and ensnared in their trespasses. You know, the Bible only talks about two kinds of those who are slaves to sin and those who are slaves to righteousness and I quote Jesus himself this morning who said this if you are not for me then you are against me if you do not gather with me you scatter James Montgomery Boyce said this there is no such thing as absolute freedom for anyone no human is free to do everything he or she may want to do Funny about that. I've noticed that all my life. When I went to school, I thought it would be great. I'll get some money when I work and I'll get a car and then I can go and do what I want. It doesn't work. You get a car, you've got to work, you've got to put fuel in it, you've got to register it. And oh, I'll be nice to be married, have a wife and have children. can't do as you want. You've got a responsibility to look after that woman and those kids. Oh, when the kids go, it'll be good. We'll be able to do what we want again. No. Sorry, it doesn't happen. And in likewise, when we become Christians and serve the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the sovereign Lord. We are his servants. And so we serve him. We're free. But we're free to serve him. But you know, there's a certain joy in serving him. It's different like most of you know that the second or last job on this earth is a preacher and because I became a new creation in Christ I even stand behind the pulpit occasionally. So things change. There's only one in this universe who is totally free and that's the Lord God because he's sovereign. Since you and I are human beings and not God we can never be autonomous. We are either serving ourselves in sin or we're serving the Saviour. It's slavery to Christ and is the only true freedom. For the the son set you free you shall be free indeed. The freedom of obedience is ours to possess because we have been redeemed or purchased back you know purchased back means he had us in the first place but he paid for our sins we were always subject to him by Christ and we've been by the Holy Spirit so the power of sin is permanently broken for the believer saved or unsaved he has the final. The next thing is slavery ends prejudice if that's pronounced right not only is slavery in Christ the way to freedom but is also the path to true reconciliation and unity you see when, when the believers become aware that we're all equal, we're all slaves it levels us help. Just because I'm up here and you're down there doesn't mean I'm better than you or has an advantage over you. I do not. In fact, I will judge, be more judged more harshly than those that are listening. And so I have to preach a good gospel. I have to preach God's word in its entirety because I will be answered. you know Jesus although he was in the form of God he did not regard regard equality with God to be a thing to be grasped but he emptied himself taking on the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men Philippians 3, 3 says, Do nothing from himself in your empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each one of you regard one another as more important than himself. You know, after Jesus performed the job of a slave by washing the disciples' feet, Jesus reminded them, If then the Lord, the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should also do as I did to you. Jesus is promoting sacrificial service and love for one another, which should be characteristics of followers in Christ. There are also prejudice between different social classes and racial groups. They're neutralised by the fact that we're his slaves. I mean, consider the Samaritan. Jew wouldn't touch a Samaritan. What about the Gentiles? And what about the difference in those days in particular between men and women? A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free man, but Christ is in all and in all. Glossy. You know, the Apostle Paul leads a great example in the way he treated Onesimus. He was a runaway slave, but Paul called him a brother and entrusted, or instructed rather, Philemon to receive Onesimus back with the love of a family member. And the Apostle James also confronted prejudice in the church regarding personal favouritism some of you remember reading this somebody's got better clothes a nice gold ring sit here have a nice position somebody comes in that's sad sad clothes doesn't look washed sit over there shouldn't be in Christ God has no favourites we are all equal before him so slavery to Christ should bring equality not prejudiced. There's another paradox to consider. As slavery to Christ magnifies the wonder of His infinite grace, something we quite often overlook is to understand that our service to Him is also an undeserved gift, given by His grace. And to accomplish that service that is also supplied by his grace. Our ability to serve him is only possible because he enables without him we don't have the strength, the ability. That is what God supplies. So that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ 1 Peter 4.11 You know we glorify him when we work together serving and worshipping Him when we understand the concept of slavery in biblical terms we should understand our equality with one another. We should be able to serve Him in harmony magnifying His grace and done for His glory. You know our God is not a God of need he does not need our service. Acts 17:25. Yet he allows us the privilege of belonging to him, so that we might fully delight in him and experience the true satisfaction and joy that comes from serving him. You know, I believe there's great joy in worshiping together when a band strikes up and all the saints are singing when we do this with all our hearts we glorify God and are actually serving him what an encouragement when someone steps up to the plate like this morning and a husband and wife shares in prayer when we accept the challenge to lead in any way and do anything for the Lord we grow and it's a great encouragement to the rest of the saints and especially to those that do the things that aren't noticed not everything gets noticed those that care those that have compassion and especially those that pray never underestimate people In the church. Maybe he or she doesn't seem to be doing anything. How do you know they're not a prayer warrior? You see, slavery showcases love. God loved us first. He sent his son to redeem us from sin and death, so now we love him because he first loved us. We should be wanting to worship from the heart and in spirit and truth. Augustine he prayed like this, you awake us to delight in praising you, for you have made us for yourselves. And our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. And I add at the bottom, and I add this, hearts that don't find Jesus will be restless for eternity. Slavery also pitches salvation. It's another paradox. God has expressed the riches of our salvation using the symbolism of slavery. The Lord God rescued us from slavery to sin and delivered us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Christ's atoning work on the cross redeems us such that we were purchased by him and having been bought with a price, we are his possession. You know, we mightn't think so, but the idea of slavery is quite central to the message of salvation. And that is because slavery, metaphor, points to the reality of Christ's lordship. The lordship of Christ is essential to the biblical gospel. The gospel message is not simply a plan of salvation. On Screen this morning. If you were looking, you would have read, exalt, express, encounter. When you encounter Christ, you embrace him. I don't know about embracing the message of salvation because it's Christ that died. We embrace him and it's from the heart. know, people are always looking for a good deal. And I don't like to use the term um, that salvation is really a good deal, but I don't know quite else how to put it. And, and, And people are looking for a good deal today, but without any strings attached. Like people enter into a marriage agreement, or maybe a business agreement, because somebody's got money, but maybe they've got real estate. Maybe they've got wealth of some kind and the person's in a personal gain. Let me say that the Lord Jesus Christ is the discerner of our thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4 verse 12. He knows where we're coming from. He knows exactly what's To truly come to Christ is to be willingly able to surrender your heart, your mind, your will and the whole person to the Master. Mere lip service to Jesus' Lordship is nothing more than hypocrisy. Titus 1 verse 16 tells us that. Also a false profession that cannot save that Matthew mentions in his Gospel in chapter and Luke also mentioned in 6:46, So as to preach Christ as Saviour but not as Lord is to present an incomplete gospel message. Missionary martyr Jim Elliot had this to say. It's a 20th century heresy that Christ is Saviour and only by right Lord, by opinion of the believer. This denial of the only master and Lord preaches only half his person, declaring only partially the truth. John MacArthur has this to say, Denial of the lordship of Jesus is disobedience, and makes God to be not God at all. The gospel preached must always include the lordship of Jesus Christ. On the day of Pentecost, Peter let all who heard him preach know God made him both Lord and Christ. Acts 2 verse 36. The Apostle John said this, He who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. John 3.36 And the writer of Hebrews, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal life. You know, I wonder the Apostle Peter, when writing to the church, Admonish them. Make your calling an election sure. That's what he had to say. Make your calling an election sure. And this morning, I asked the same question: Is your calling an election sure? Is Christ the Lord of your life, not just saviour? our Heavenly Father as we come before you this morning we praise you and we thank you, you're a great and mighty God you're sovereign, there is nothing too difficult for you there is nothing that you don't know about you know whether we're genuinely saved you know whether we genuinely love you and desire to serve you I pray this morning dear Father if there's anyone here this morning and You aren't their Lord. I pray that you draw them to yourself. Like Lydia, that you would reveal yourself to them and call them to yourself in Jesus' precious name.